What's going on, Restoration Church? Uh, Brian here, and thank you for joining us again for another week. Uh, hopefully, this is the last couple of weeks that we have of um, online services. Uh, I'll continue, actually, probably doing some online stuff just for those of you that uh, want to continue doing online things and aren't comfortable being anywhere in public yet, but uh, we are hoping to be back in the brewery on February 7th, and uh, I'm excited to be there with all of you guys. Got a couple more songs for you guys to sing along with, um, or, you know, not sing along with, because uh, you don't know them because they're original songs, as I said last week. These can only be original songs because um, we don't have the rights to perform other songs in a streaming capacity. So, uh, you're stuck with songs that I've written, and um, but it's better than me just staring into the camera, isn't it? Uh, we've got a great service today. Um, my main man, Clayton Porter, is bringing the word, and he is going to kill it. He's going to be awesome. And so, uh, these are a couple of songs that I've written um, over the last several years, and I hope you enjoy them. This first song is about breaking out. In fact, the song is called Breakout, and um, it's about uh, feeling like you're stuck in a rut, um, and, then, and then breaking out of that, and God rescuing us. So, this is Breakout. <clears throat> Breaking 
You could also use that if you're in quarantine. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Uh, this next song is uh, one I wrote, um, gosh, a uh, long time ago, actually. It's probably been five years now that I've I've written this song, and this one kind of holds a special place. I wrote it, um, me and some friends of mine um, went and did this writer's retreat, and uh, we were in a band. We still kind of are, I guess. We haven't officially disbanded, so. Um, but we went there with the intention to write, and uh, the words of this song um, sure hold a lot of weight uh, for me personally today. Um, probably more so than they did when I wrote it. So it's a prayer. Um, and uh, means a lot to me, so. Be ye still and hear your voice above the waves, above the Make me go, Lord, I follow you 
Welcome Restoration Church and we are glad that you are back with us for uh, another week of Mountain of a Message on a Mountain. Um, my name is Clayton. I'm part of the leadership team here at Restoration Church. Um, Brian this week uh, was supposed to be on a wonderful well-earned family vacation in Florida uh, where it's much warmer than the 12 degrees it is here right now. Uh, we are filming this on Friday night. Uh, but unfortunately, Brian contracted the COVID, so he will not. Uh, so he asked me to fill in for him this week, and uh, so I'll be bringing you God's word. Uh, we're really thankful that you're here with us, uh, Brian, and the board, and I met this week, and we've just been, we are so ready for this COVID thing to be over, and uh, we're just not there yet. So, but we will be soon. Uh, looks like first, second week of February, someone there. Somewhere in there, we're hoping to be back in the brewery. We're hoping to see your beautiful faces again. Uh, and hopefully, this will be the, uh, the drive moving forward so that we can continue to meet in person um, at the brewery. So, um, But uh, Brian this week sent me, uh, a, a, I don't know if you have friends that send you memes and GIFs and all kinds of other stuff, GIFs, I mean, depending on who you are and how you want to say it, um, whether or not you want to be right or wrong, it's GIFs. It's a G, come on. But um, anyway, uh, Brian sent me this article this week, and I thought it was kind of funny because it, it lines up great with what we're preaching about this week. 
but Brian sent me an article about a uh, Canadian a restaurant owner who owns a restaurant um, that uh, they uploaded, you know, because of COVID and all the restrictions and everything else, the same in Canada. But uh, they have everything's online. And in a world where everything is so like, you know, marketing schemes of, it's amazing how every company you go to is the best at what they do. Well, they can't be the best because if this construction company and this construction company are both the best, some somebody's got to be second, right? Um, Ricky Bobby. So anyway, but uh, this guy took the complete different approach. Um, and he's like, you know what? I'm just going to be honest with people. And it's funny because at his restaurant, he puts all this stuff online, um, all of his food. And you can order it. And one of them, for, for example, one of them was uh, orange chicken. Okay. And this orange chicken uh, is what he has uh, on his menu. Well, it's very similar to General So's. And he even calls it out. I mean, right on his, his website, he goes, you know, this is our version of General So's chicken. If you like General So's chicken, this doesn't taste as good as American General So's chicken. But it tastes like Chinese orange chicken. So... It is what it is. This is what we serve, like it or not. This, hope you like it. If you don't, who cares? Like, I mean, he's that blunt and direct on all of his items. And like some of his items, he goes, I don't know, we make this. I've never even tried it, but I hope you like it. It sells a lot of it, so I assume it's good. And it's amazing. He started doing this, being honest and truthful with people, uh, with his menu and his opinion of it. And all of a sudden, I mean, the guy's an absolute, uh, they, their sales have skyrocketed. Um, and it's just really funny because where we're going this week, uh, with this message, um, Jesus talks a little bit here, very directly, um, about false teachers and about truth and how we discern that. Um, so if you join me, we're going to get into the scripture today. So if you got a device, um, if you got your, your leatherback Bible, wherever you're listening to any time of the week, you know. Um, we just ask that, you, you know, you can follow along here. Uh, we'll have the words on the screen as well if you don't have a device or a Bible with you. So, Matthew 7, 15 through 23 is where we're at this week. Um, we're almost done with our message of a, a mountain of a message on a mountain. Um, we just have a couple more weeks before Brian starts Genesis, so, which we're super excited about. So, Matthew 7, 15. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break. God's laws. I wasn't kidding when Jesus was really direct. 
Jesus is super direct in uh, in calling out those that and and stating that there are false teachers out there, people who will use him for their own benefit. And he gives us a warning here. And uh, he also gives us a solution, which he does a lot. So, um, a few years ago, well, more than a few years ago now, it's amazing how time flies. Uh, back in 2006, I, uh, I joined the United States Air Force. And uh, my first uh, duty station was Dover Air Force Base, Delaware. Um, if you don't know where that's at, that's where Biden was governor congressman or something, um, the middle of nowhere. But uh, Biden, uh, not Biden, it's the news today, right? Um, but Delaware, um, I was stationed there from about 2006 to 2009. Uh, I got met my wife there, I got married there, um, actually had a lot of fun at that base, it was a great place. Um, but when I was there, one of the things, um, I really wasn't chasing Jesus, Real hard back then. It was my first taste of freedom as a young man. I was about 19 years old. I got married nine months later. I mean, it was insane. Um, and But I had a friend of mine, uh, John, who was one of my supervisors. And John invited me to church. And so I was still having some, some you know, some, some guilt and some shame and, and not knowing quite what I wanted to do with life. Um, but John invited me to um, to church. And so I had been recently married, and my wife and I said, yeah, we'll go. And so we went to church with John. And it just so happened to be, it was like right around Veterans Day. And like typical churches do uh, in the world today, is they when the pastor got up to preach, he stood up and he's like, you know, any veterans, active duty members, you know, um, can you please stand and, and rise? Uh for, to be recognized. And so being a, a church that was that close to a military base, there was quite a few of us in the congregation. Uh, most of us were active duty or, uh, or retired. Um, usually a lot of people from Delaware retired around there. They liked the area. So there's quite a few of us there. Uh, but what was interesting was one of the individuals there um, was an older gentleman, and he was in full Marine dress uniform. Like I mean, insane. And uh, the Marines, if you're any, if you're familiar at all with the military, the Marines, they have a uniform to be jealous of. Okay, in the Air Force, we wear a blue business suit. That's what it is. Business casual at that. And they throw some some little trinkets and stuff on there. A little bit of splash of color. You wear a really ugly hat, uh, and they call that their dress uniform. But the Marines, there's a sharp. Um, and this gentleman was wearing it well. Um, definitely older generation, not anywhere near, um, uh, you know, being recently in the military, you could tell. But um, he was wearing the uniform, the Marine uniform, dress uniform. And he had all kinds of medals and stuff on there. And so uh, it, it really stood out. And after the service, um, a bunch of us had, you know, the pastor finished his sermon and, and a bunch of us went around and everybody wanted to shake that gentleman's hand um, because, you know, you look at him I and mean, he's sharp. And I, I think I, if I remember correctly, I think I even shook his hand, but we left soon after the service ended. 
And so my buddy John, though, my buddy John, he knew this gentleman, the guy who's a member of the congregation. And John didn't know that this guy was a veteran. Um, and so John wanted to go over and talk to him, you know, it's just another acquaintance from church and uh, a guy that looked really sharp. So John went over to, you know, not introduce himself, but just kind of spark up a conversation. But John gets over there and one of the things he notices, I find this out a couple days later. So one of the things that John notices is that this guy's got, like in the Marines, when there's some of their dress uniform, they don't just wear ribbons, they wear full out hanging medals and they, he has a ton of them. Um... And John starts looking at them, and some of them are kind of, you know, there's a lot of medals, and each branch has some unique ones. We share some, um, but, like, there's a lot to hard, it's kind of hard to identify them all um, off of memory, but there's a couple that kind of stand out. And, and this gentleman had on two of them that really stood out to John um, when he went and talked to him, one of which was the Purple Heart, which um, is not super uncommon, and... So, you know, he's, he's got the Purple Heart on him, and it kind of, wow, this guy was injured in combat, because that's what the Purple Heart is awarded for. If you're injured in, in combat uh, during wartime, you are uh, eligible to receive the uh, Purple Heart. So, you know, he, he kind of recognized that, but there was another one next to it that really kind of shook him, because he was like, whoa, wait a minute, something's not right here. The one next to it was a Medal of Honor. And if most people know what the Medal of Honor is, but if you don't know what the Medal of Honor is, it is the highest decoration a military member can receive uh, of any branch. Um, and it's for going above and beyond the call of duty and generally involves uh, saving lots of people's lives, uh, doing things that aren't expected of you uh, in a combat zone during some uh, just true heroism and bravery and courage um, to a T. I mean, there, there's just nothing beyond that. Um, and most most Medal of Honor recipients um, receive that posthumously, which means they, they gave their life to earn that medal. And they didn't do it to earn the medal. They did it because that was the character that they had. Um, and so, but this gentleman's wearing one. And it kind of, John kind of stood back for a second and didn't know what to do with it because most people who have received the Medal of Honor, there's a base, there's buildings, there's aircraft, there's something named after them because of the, the type of heroism that they, that they gave and that they gave their life in order to, to, to earn that medal. And so, um, and this gentleman he had known, he didn't even know he was a veteran, let alone had earned the Medal of Honor. So, my buddy John didn't confront him at the time. He, he kind of mentioned to him, hey, that's the Medal of Honor. That, that's pretty crazy. I didn't know you had a Medal of Honor. And the gentleman kind of laughed it off, made a comment about serving somewhere overseas uh, and, and not being that big of a deal. And shortly thereafter, the gentleman got up, got his wife, excused himself, and left the building. Um, but apparently, John wasn't the only one who noticed it. There was quite a few other military members that had known him and and veterans and active duty members that had gone and seen that same thing. Um, so a couple of days later, the pastor was notified of it, and they were a little concerned about it. And so they went and they met with the individual, confronted him about it. And it was found that this gentleman had committed uh, what we call uh, stolen valor. Uh, this gentleman had never served in the military. 
he had found a uniform online, he had ordered all of the ribbons, he had gotten them from other places, things he had found, um, and he did all the research. He knew how to wear the uniform, how to wear it right, what all the regulations were. Uh, all of the things. He did all the research and never once served one minute in the military. Now, I know this, this isn't a story about a pastor and a false teacher in that sense, but the, the principle is the same. That gentleman was wearing a uniform and representing a group of individuals who sacrificed, who gave all, who, who went above and beyond anything few Americans or anybody in the world has ever done. And he was wearing that literally just for himself. There, there was something, an insecurity or a pride issue that he had that he wanted to be recognized and he wanted what those individuals had without putting in the work, without putting in the effort, without earning it. And Jesus talks about that same thing. Now, he wasn't a false teacher. Stolen valor is not a false teacher. But the principle behind why they do that is exactly the same. There was a pride. There was, in, there was insecurity. There was, there was doubt, self-confidence issues. There was something in that that drove them to do something in a false manner. And that really, really hurt everyone around him. That gentleman went on to have, he left the church. And then he ended up moving away because of the embarrassment of what he had done and what he had been caught in just destroyed him. And uh, what Jesus is warning us about here specifically is about teaching of God's Word. And sometimes I think we want to just, um, just hold this to, to pastors. But it says, Beware of false prophets who are just disguised as harmless sheep. They're really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. Jesus isn't really talking about what, um, Jesus really isn't talking about why there are false teachers. If you've listened to any of the sermons up until this point, we've talked about a lot about sin and how people do things um, the easy way, right? They'll twist scripture. And I mean, Jesus has talked a lot about Pharisees and false teachers up until this point on his Sermon on the Mount. So we know why. But what Jesus is talking specifically about here, he's asking us about to, to learn discernment. Because we know why. It's easy to say why someone would do these things. Why would someone twist the truth to their gain? Why would a wolf dressed like a sheep to go into the herd, or excuse me, into the flock? Because it makes it easier for him. Because it benefits him specifically in some way. We know that. But what Jesus is calling us out, out here is not about why the false prophets are false prophets, but what he's asking us and what he's telling us and warning us about is and teaching us is how do we identify them? What I believe is that Jesus is teaching us here about discernment. And, you know, the dictionary des describes and defines discernment um, and its simplest form as an ability to judge well. And now I know you're going to say, well, Clayton, Jesus also says not to judge others. You're right, he does. Um, 
But what Jesus was was not stating, uh, was stating not that we are to not make judge, we're not to judge people. He's saying don't condemn people. He still calls us as followers of Jesus to be able to make judgments about what is sin and what is not, what is truth and what is lies. What follows him and what does not. That's what he's calling us to here in discernment. Is the ability to judge truth and falsehoods through the use of discernment. Okay? So, he, 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 he defines it pretty well. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. I mean, this analogy is so captivating because it's really easy to, to, to visualize. I love how Jesus always puts things in ways that you can just see, right? You just think that you're going to a thorn bush and trying to pick grapes, right? Um, or figs from thistles. We know that that's not possible. And there's so many times that false teachers are, are, are that obvious. But there's other times that they're not. But what Jesus is asking us, like I said, is about discernment. If I had a nickel for every time somebody told me their spiritual gift was discernment, um, I, I would have a lot of nickels. Um, and, and it's funny because my, one of my spiritual gifts is also discernment. Um, so next time I see you, I'll give you a nickel. Um, just hopefully that I don't see a lot of you. But, um, but my discernment is not in the way Jesus is asking it to use it. Um, Jesus has kind of given, or God has given me the spiritual gift of discernment to use in such a way where um, I, can, I can feel pain. I can, feel, I, I can be empathetic with people. Um, when I'm in conversation or I'm in relationship with somebody, I have this ability, it's an inert ability just to discern whether or not somebody's healthy spiritually or not. Um, and that's a, it's a beautiful thing. I can judge well the feelings and the emotion of another person just by being within the uh, vicinity of them. Um, but the kind of discernment that Jesus is asking us for here is a little bit different. It's, it's more, and, and it's using that same manner, but at the same time, it's a little bit more than that. Because that for me is a spiritual gift. And not everybody has that spiritual gift. But Jesus is calling all who, who profess to be followers of Christ. He asks us to have discernment. To be able to, do, to determine if a prophet or a teacher or someone who is sharing God's word and teaching it if that person is sharing truth or if they're sharing false lies, which is an oxymoron. But, so how do we gain that discernment? It's not specifically in here. Jesus calls us very simply to, to look at their fruits. Um, but fruits are kind of hard to tell sometimes. So the different ways... I think that God shows us and teaches us discernment. I think first off is with His Word. So, um, the first way that God teaches us discernment is through God's Word. God, 
the inherent Word of God, His love letter to us. Is, the, is one of the most beautiful ways to know who God is. To know who Jesus is and know who the Holy Spirit is. To understand His character. To understand His intentions. To understand His love. To understand His judgment. To understand everything about Him can be found between... To know everything about Him can be found between these covers. So when we have a question about something and about what God wants of us and how He wants us to act, what He did for us, what His promises are for us, and what we need to do in response for what He has done for us, all of those come from here. The second way is through prayer. God uses prayer. His prayer is a beautiful thing. Because of Jesus, we can use prayer to communicate with the omnipotent, perfect, holy, omniscient God of the universe. We can talk to Him, and He can talk to us. He can direct our lives. And when we're consistent in prayer and daily, and, you know, sometimes we have this attitude of, well, I set aside time for prayer today. And, uh, you know, I set that 20 minutes aside and I made sure I prayed in the morning. And then we don't pray again. I think sometimes we're selling that opportunity short. Jesus and the Holy Spirit are open for us to talk to anytime, anyway. All we got to do is do it. And Jesus will talk to us through the Holy Spirit and guide us and give us discernment in different parts of our lives when we're struggling about, is this right? Is this wrong? Is this, am I understanding this correctly? We can talk to Him. And if we're quiet, He'll talk to us. If we're willing, He'll talk to us. Lastly, the way I believe that God teaches us discernment is through relationship with fellow believers and community with fellow believers. Jesus created the church so that we could be in relationship with others. Um, you heard the old adage, two minds are better than one. Um, it's amazing that there will be how many things and how many people that I've met in different parts of my life with so many different backgrounds, so many different upbringings, so many different experiences. The truth is we're not going to experience everything in this life. Everything that life and this world and Christ and every circumstance has to offer, we're just not. I will always be a boy that was born and, and raised in Buckley. I will never be a boy that was born and raised in Europe. I got to experience Europe, but I didn't get to experience growing up there. But see, when, when we're in relationship with other people, they're a different part of the body that we get to be in relationship with where they can teach us and we can learn from them. 
God provides those relationships to speak to us. And so he can use that as a way for us to, to understand and process things and gain discernment and circumstances and teachings that we're unsure of. Imagine if we were a group of people in a community of believers that spent time together in God's Word and we prayed fervently, consistently, daily together. Imagine the amount of discernment God would provide a community and a group of believers that would do that. Believe that this is how God gives us the ability, and everybody has the ability to gain discernment into what is true and what is not. What we are being taught into the, in, in, in God's Word, and in our churches, and in our communities, and in the books, and online. So, a few years back, my wife bought a Jeep. Uh, from a friend of ours, uh, this Jeep. My wife at the time was she's a she's a nurse. She's a wonderful nurse. She's the best nurse in the world, just so you know. Um, in my opinion, kind of partial to that. Um, but she was working downstate. She worked two hours away, and it's a long drive in the winter. And my wife does not have the best track record for driving in the winter. So one of my best friends at the time. He was selling cars. He had a used car lot. And uh, he would go downstate to these auctions. And so we were always trying to keep an eye out. She had at the time a little Mazda 5 because we moved here from Arizona. And that Mazda 5 is about four inches off the ground. Um, it is not made for the snow. Okay. It was horrible. And uh, so she was driving two hours in that thing all the way downstate and back. So a friend of mine who's a wonderful man. Um, selling cars, he went downstate to the auction and he found us this great deal on an all-wheel drive Jeep. And my wife loves Jeeps. And someday when all of our children move out of the house, she will have another Jeep Wrangler. I will buy her one and we will, because that's her dream vehicle. But, we got too many kids for that right now. But, my wife's driving downstate and so he finds this Jeep and he said, you know what Clayton, I think this would be really great for your family. And so it was a great price. He got a great deal. It was beautiful. Nothing wrong with it from what we could see. I mean, and really, he got it for a steal. And uh, it was all-wheel drive. And so he's like, I just think this would be safer for her to be driving back and forth. So he picks up the, the, the Jeep for us. So he brings it back to his shop, has the mechanic give it a good once-over, does all the fluids and changes and stuff like that. Um, even did a transmission flush. I mean, just everything. And uh, looked at it and said, you know what? This is a great Jeep. You got a great buy. He sold it to us. We picked it up, and it was great. Wife drives it around local for a couple days. Not a big deal. But then my wife takes her first trip to Grand Rapids. So my wife gets all the way down about 30 minutes from the hospital she was working at. And uh, she calls me because the check engine lights coming on and the jeep's making all kinds of noises and she pulls off the side of the highway and there is red fluid pouring out all over the place over on the road she's freaking out what am i gonna do i'm gonna be late for work and uh so long story short we end up getting the the 
uh, Jeep towed, and she ended up getting a friend to pick her up, take her to work, and I had to go down and pick her up. It was a big old mess. Um, and at this point, though, we bring the Jeep back, we take it back to the mechanic who originally looked at it, and he did a little deeper dive into it this time. He took some things apart, started looking at some internal mechanics, and come to find out this Jeep needs a whole new transmission. Whatever had been done to it at the auction, they did it just enough that it would last long enough for it to be sold and not come back and, and not be an issue. And we ended up buying a lemon. Clayton, why would you tell that story? We bought a lemon and every single one of us were ignorant to it. We didn't know. We bought a Jeep. It looked good on the outside. It had all the bells and whistles anybody could want. The price tag was three times below Blue Book. It was insane. It was a deal. And we even looked it over. We had an experienced mechanic go over everything. And not my friend's fault. It's not the mechanic's fault. It's not my fault and my wife's fault for not knowing anything about vehicles. But ultimately, we ended up with a lemon. See, the fact that we were ignorant to what was going on beneath the hood and in that transmission didn't change the fact that we were responsible for putting a new transmission in that vehicle. It didn't change the fact that it was broken and that it caused us heartache and it caused us troubles. See, being ignorant is not an excuse. Jesus isn't going to sit there on Judgment Day and look at you and say, well, you didn't know your pastor was teaching you falsely. You didn't know that your small group leader or your youth pastor or whoever was in your life giving you spiritual direction you didn't know, so you get a free pass. Jesus is very direct in that. Ignorance is not an excuse. Because you know what Jesus is going to say? He's going to say, I gave you my word. I gave you my love letter. I gave you all of the answers that you could read for yourself because you you are going to be judged for the grace and mercy I've given you and what you did with it. Yes, I set you free, but did you understand it? Did you read it for yourself? Did you, did you get into God's Word and try to understand me so you could know me, so you could be in relationship with me? Or did you listen to someone tell it, talk to you and go, mm-hmm, I want that, I want that, yep. But you never did the work. You never had a change in your heart. We have to do better. Jesus says, did you pray to me? Did you talk to me? Did you speak to the people that I put into your life to guide you back to me? I didn't know. 
not going to be enough. Galatians 5. The word describes, I believe this was Paul. He describes fruit, the fruit of the Spirit specifically. And I'm going to read you Galatians 19 through 22. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. But the Holy Spirit produces the kind of fruit in our lives, this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. How do we know what discernment is? How do we gain discernment? And then how do we use that discernment to determine the fruit that Jesus is talking about? This list, I was reading this this week. It's heavy. There's things this week that I look at this list and I'm like, oh, I'm on the wrong track. We all have things in here that we can work on. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. How true is that? That when we love somebody, even though it's hard, as Brian talked about last week with the narrow gate, the people that are hardest to love, that we find joy in the midst of suffering, that we find peace and have patience and be kind to others that may have different views than we do different personalities that we're faithful to our Father in Heaven and to His Word that we're gentle with other people and with our children and with those that we struggle with and that we have self-control over our sinful desires there's no law against those things when we question the fruit I think sometimes we look at numbers. Well, that church has got a lot of people, and that speaker is really, really good. 
He makes me feel good. And that may be true, but it takes just a little bit of selfishness and disunity and lie, a small white lie, to disrail us on our, on our walk with Christ. This piece here at the end, and 21 through 23, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of the Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed miracle, many miracles in your name. And this right here, as a, as a believer in Christ, this verse here, scares me to death. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. I want to know that I know that I'm following Jesus' law. That what I'm being taught by the people that God's put in my life is it real? I'm responsible for that. Brian and myself, we're responsible, and the, and the word says that teachers are responsible. Pastors of a flock are more, they have a heavier weight and they're more responsible. Um, and they'll be judged harsher on that in the end times when Jesus comes back and when they stand before him. But that's me. That's Brian. Brian is not the ultimate authority on Jesus and truth. Jesus is. I'm not the ultimate authority. Jesus is. His word is. We need to know that we know that we know by gaining discernment through what Christ has given us. Through His Word. Through the ability to communicate with Him through, through, through prayer. And by using the diversity and the relationships that God has given us. When we do that, we gain discernment and understanding who God is. And then we can determine with the Holy Spirit's guidance, with His Scripture as a guide, and with accountability with fellow believers to know what truth is. You know, there's a fruit. I was looking at it this week, and I was just like, this fruit. Thanks, Addison. My daughter's off camera here, helping me out. But there's this fruit I, I was researching this week because as I did that. I spent a lot of time on the sermon trying to understand false teachers and not be a false teacher myself. Um, this fruit is called the Golden Dewdrop. It's really nice. I mean, it looks good, doesn't it? I mean, this really does. This this fruit, if I were starving in the wild and I didn't know what it was, I would scarf these down in a heartbeat. 
And with a name like Golden Dewdrop, you'd expect it to taste amazing. And you know what's funny is, if I were to eat this, it'd probably be my last day on earth. It's toxic. Humans can't digest it. It's already killed tons of small children and animals. This little beautiful fruit, the golden dewdrop. Just because it's beautiful and just because it's pretty and because it looks good doesn't mean it's healthy for you. Life isn't always pretty. Truth isn't always pretty. But it doesn't change the fact that it's truth. False teachers will try to guide us away from the truth of Jesus by making things sound sweeter than they are. Sometimes polishing it up to look like this. But this isn't the fruit that Jesus was asking you to produce. This isn't the fruit He was asking you to cultivate and to fertilize and to feed in your life. Jesus wants you to produce apples because they're sweet and they're healthy. And they keep the doctor away. And tomatoes, because apparently they're a fruit too. There's good fruit and there's bad fruit. Just like my friend back in Delaware. If he didn't know what those ribbons were, if nobody in that room knew what those ribbons were, that man would have walked away clean and kept coming and kept lying and kept living a lie and could have continued to hurt countless people. But because somebody was equipped with the truth, the lie was beaten. It no longer could hurt anybody. So what Jesus asked us to do is bear good fruit. Not golden honey dewdrops. But God calls us to bear good fruit. Good fruit looks like love. Bearing good fruit looks like joy. And it looks like peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness. Gentleness and self-control. That's what good fruit looks like. Now, if you're looking for that list in your teachers, I'm going to tell you right now, Brian is not all of those things all at the same time. Never met a pastor that is. Never met a teacher that is. But when their heart's desire is to be those things, and they run from things that are impure and unholy, and their desire is for the fruit of the Spirit, from the Holy Spirit. That's good fruit. Each one of us have that responsibility as believers of Christ, followers of Christ. We all have the responsibility to bear good fruit because we represent Jesus Christ. And what's we get to, as a response, share His Word with other people. And we can only do that by knowing what is true and what is false. So my, ask this, my ask this week of you 
would be that you spend some time in prayer. That you spend some time in God's Word. That you review Galatians 5.19-23. Is your life bearing good fruit? Or do you have some work to do? You're not alone. We're here to walk through life with you. We want to walk through life with you. We want to be transparent about our false false masks in our lives and the things that we struggle with. We want to be in community with you. And we want to be a force of change for Christ and for His kingdom. Spend some time in God's Word this week. In, in God's Word this week, spend some time in prayer. We'd love to see you. Can't wait to see you. Hopefully in a couple of weeks we'll be able to get back together. And I also ask that you do the work for yourself this week. You do the work this, your, for yourself. Read this Word. Go through it. Pray about it. Because you're going to stand up for it someday and ignorance isn't going to be an excuse. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word and the ability to communicate with you in prayer as you communicate with us. Lord, I thank you for the relationships that you've given me, the people in my life that have helped me grow closer to you. Lord, I pray that I grow in my walk with you and in the fruit of the Spirit. Lord, I pray that each person here in a part of restoration, in a part of your big church, that we grow in discernment, and that all the pastors and the, the YouTube video pastors that we can watch, Lord, that, that we know what truth is, and that we can see the truth and see through the lies, so that we don't get stuck in the thistles, that we don't get stuck in the thorns that we continually grow in our walk with you so that we can bear good fruit for your kingdom and for your glory. And we ask all of these things in your precious and holy name. Amen. Thank you for joining us again for another week. Mountain of a message on a mountain. I don't know how Brian does that every week. It's a good tongue twister. But uh, we just really, we are missing you guys. We are missing face to face. And we are looking forward to hopefully being back together in the brewery here in a couple of weeks. Um, also just want to remind you, uh, we do have a very unique um, giving uh, platform here and uh, at Restoration Church. So if you are interested and uh, prayerful that God puts it on your heart uh, to, to tithe and to share of your monies with Restoration, 100% uh, of what you give, if it's not specifically earmarked for uh, the overhead account, uh, it would go to the community account, and 100% of what you give will go back out to our local and international communities. We don't keep a dime of that money. It goes right into an account and goes right back into our local and international partners and benevolence funds and other areas in order to help those in the greatest need. Uh, we do have an overhead account, so if you feel God leading you to donate to that, that goes for all of our um, overhead in. Uh, insurance and and salary of brian and all of that type of thing um if you feel called to, to to give to that as well 
Um, we'll leave it up to you. If you don't, that's good. God is good and He's providing and we're going to keep our faith in Him there. Uh, if you feel like giving, you can go to restorationchurchtc.com and, and sign up there and you'll be able to give there as well. So if uh, we back together in, in February, we'll also be able to, to give in person. But until then, uh, we thank you again for joining us. Uh, thank you for being a part of Restoration Church. Um, and we pray that uh, God continues to bless each one of you and that we see you again shortly.